This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. You're listening to the West MY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. What a result at Goodison Park on Sunday. It was important to bounce back after the Brentford defeat, and that's exactly what we did. Three points against an inform Everton side that takes us to seventh in the table. We'll be talking about the game, getting news from X, and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, Goodison Park is never an easy place to go, especially when they're in form. So to come away with a win and a clean sheet, that's a pucker result, isn't it? That's a great result, mate. And I think we played really, really well. I thought we dominated the game, you know. I went to it. I had the joy of being in the crowd, which was a great, another great away day. And um, the whole time, you know, I was thinking, God, we've got to score soon. This is the sort of game that will dominate and then let a soft go in and lose. But West Ham have turned so much under David Moyes that we're not like that anymore. You know, Mm. we didn't do that. We went on got the goal no we didn't create the most uh, clear cut of chances but we should have scored more than we did I think but it was a comfortable win against a good team away from home again you know happy days can't really say much more than brilliant it was a great result and a strong performance yeah you was there with your little girl as well weren't you what did she yeah loved it I mean mate it's the it's the third away game she's been to and she's got a 100% record (laughs) Uh, she's getting false understanding of what being a West Ham fans like and uh, she also, I also take her to two home games of which we won 
won one of them and the only one we lost so she's got she's basically got an 80% win record the one that we lost was um, at home to Man City when they beat us like 5-0 on the first game of the season and even then because we were actually <laughs> this just sums up my sort of dedication to my say because we were actually on holiday in Norfolk and we got the trade back to the game when we were like 2-0 down and it was like 5 minutes to go or 3-0 down whatever it was 5 minutes to go I said to her Look, let's go let's beat the trap here get the trade back we'll get some brownie points from from my wife and stuff and um, <laughs> and uh, they actually scored two or three goals whilst we were walking out the stand as well so you could argue that was again because she'd left so yeah 80% win record it gives a forced forced perception of what it's like to be a, a West Ham fan and I've actually got a um, the last two times I've been to Gillison with one as well so I've got a semi-decent record there as well yeah yeah good stuff good mate times, yeah but you're right about the performance. I think comfortable is the right word, really. I never watched it. I mean, look, we rode our luck at times, but you're going to at Goodison, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but I, I watched it and I, I think it was just a joy to watch. I mean, the first 10 to 15 minutes, especially, we absolutely bossed it and we played like we were at home. Yes. And there's, there's so much confidence and composure amongst the group mm. and I love to see it. And do you know what? One thing I really liked about us was that we kept possession, but yeah. we were productive with that possession. There was intent with that possession. And I think if we could have had a bit more quality with our final ball, it could have been very comfortable for us. But all in all, that's a big win, that is. A big mm. win. Mm, definitely, I agree with what you were saying. I think, like, there were some exceptional performances from players. I thought... Declan Rice was just world-class again. Oh. Like, he just absolutely controlled the midfield, breaking from defence to attack, winning the ball, just so composed, just such a such a good player. And, you know, his interviews afterwards, just so spot on and everything about that man is just world-class now. And yeah. I think I think Ben Johnson had a superb game. And yeah. one thing I'd like to say about him, because when you're at when you're at away when you're at games you get a different perspective to what you do on tv now i don't know how well he came across on tv because i've not watched it back but at the game you know he he played brilliantly not only did he like win, uh, tackle back, win the ball, um, pass some good cross um, field balls which you would have seen on on sky but there was times when everton players were like breaking through the midfield or whatever winger was trying to get beyond him and he was just tracking his man so well and you wouldn't see that on TV because you know the TV tends to focus on the, the player that's got the ball so you can't see the whole pitch perspective but I kept looking at him and his positioning was just brilliant for such a, a young player you know and, and relatively inexperienced his positioning was superb I thought he had an absolutely brilliant game um, I mean Deckham was definitely man of the match but um, Johnson had to be a second, a second for me and I thought I thought the team played brilliantly. I thought the centre backs were superb again. I love Zuma. As I said when we signed him, I think he's just such a great signing. He's everything I like about a centre back. Pacey, powerful, good in the air, brave. You know, I, I really like him. And I think Ogbonna played well. I think Suchek had one of his better games this season. Mm. Um, you know, I think Bowen's energy, Ben Rama's energy. I thought the Cresswell's solid. I thought it was just thought the whole team played really, really well. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, Declan Rice was just unplayable yesterday. That, Like you said, I mean, the way he reads the game, his composure, his vision, his transitional play, quality on the ball, strength in a tackle, leadership. I mean, world-class players perform every week. Mm. And Deck performs every week. I mean, he he's does. such a talent. 
It does, but th- this is why I got a bit, you know, sort of not frustrated, but why I couldn't understand why I didn't win Hammer of the Year last year as well, because I know Suchek was brilliant and Shafau was brilliant, but Declan performed, yes, yesterday was like an exceptional, exceptional performance. You know, we're talking 10 out of 10, even like 11 out of 10, if that's possible, like, you know, performance. But he's like that every week, mate. Every week, when does he ever have a bad game? You know, he never has a bad game. Every game, he influences the game like he does. Um, yesterday, um, it's just certain times he stands out a little bit more than he does in other games. But he is just so good, and I was thinking about it like on the long journey back from Liverpool. I was thinking, has there ever been a better player for West Ham in the times that I've in the years I've had a season ticket? Now I've had a season ticket now for thirty-one years, thirty-two years, and I was thinking about this and. It's difficult because obviously there's different positions, so it's hard to compare a Decanio to a um, to a Rice or a Pie to a Rice or whoever a Rio to a Rice because they're all different positions. But in terms of how good they are for West Ham right now, he's got to be. I think he's got to be the best player that's ever played for us in my time of going. Because you could argue Pie, and yes, Pie got nominated for Ballon d'Or and so on. But, you know, it's just it was he wasn't as consistent as Declan. Yes, he had moments where he was just, like, phenomenal and he match-winning moments. Uh, but Declan's just like this every single game, pretty much. You know, some games, yes, better than others, but never below a 7 out of 10, rarely below an 8, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. I'm thinking about it as you as you said that. And I think you're right. I think it... It could boil down to consistency. You know, even if you're comparing, say, Paolo Di Canio, who's a club legend, mm. you know, he quite famously didn't like playing away, did he? No, Whereas exactly. You don't get anything like that with Declan. He turns no. up week after week, doesn't matter where he's playing, he plays with a, a smile on his face and just, just passion and... I think you're right, you know, it's hard. And when you think about it as well, like, you know, you've got Scott Parker, you could argue as well, three hammers of the year in a row, and you've got nominated football writers, player of the year, mm. um, or whatever it was, the PFA player of the year, and she got contender was as Ashton as a contender then you've got the likes of Rio Lampard Joe Cole but those lot they weren't as good for West Ham as they then became in the rest of their careers you know we mm. didn't have the Frank Lampard that Chelsea and England had no way and we mm. didn't have the Rio Ferdinand that we had the potential to be that good but he wasn't the finished article when he left West Ham he grew into world-class centre back at Manchester United I think Declan isn't the finished article yet because he's only 20 too. You know, you think three, four years time, how good he's going to be. But I think at this point, he is probably the most complete and consistent footballer we've had since I've been going. I think it's an interesting conversation about Declan because we both agree, I think as every West Ham fan agrees, that he's world class now. Mm-hmm. And I think he could walk into any side in Europe. I yeah. honestly believe that. Any side yeah. in the world. So it begs the question, what does he need to add to his game? Because if he's going to be predominantly defensive-minded and essentially play the way he plays now, then there isn't really an expectation on him to get goals. If he wants to be an all-rounder and develop his game in that sense, then, yeah, you could add goals to his game. But what is missing from his game at the moment? 
Not not a lot, mate, to be honest with you. I can't really think of him. The, he's certainly... One thing I used to say is that I think he was too quick to get rid of the ball. He didn't drive with the ball. But he, this year and last year, he's so much better at driving yeah. the ball. I still think he could get slightly better. There's still a slight hesitancy sometimes, like that he's always sort of looking out to the, to the wide man sometimes rather than just going direct through the middle. But like I said, if that's being incredibly picky, if you're asking me to... To look for something and as I say it's only a slight hesitancy and it's getting better and better each week I, I think he's he is just yeah I just think he's brilliant and I just think not only is he that good but he's got the personality and the maturity to make him the whole package you know Pae and Decanio were both very very talented individuals quality quality players but were their personalities the most as good as Declan and you know you can say Decadio was passionate and he loved the club and he loved the fans but, you know we, how many stories have we heard about his time when Rhoda was manager and mm. and he, as you said he didn't fancy some away days and stuff and he'd throw his toys out the pram and you know and then you think about Pia Pia did the same so when you think about it in terms of their personalities Declan's leaps above those guys in, in what is a productive member for a team. All the players love him. All the staff love him. All the, you know, anyone, anyone to do with the club loves him. He's just a, a genuinely lovely bloke. And, you know, he, I don't know if many people know this, but he's, his brothers um, do away days as well. You know, we've had the pleasure of um, speaking and chatting and drinking with um, them on, on occasions. And I saw his oldest brother at the game yesterday and they just mingle with the crowd that don't get in the, the box they do the away days like like we do as fans and you know they're just such proper down-to-earth people and I think having those two as older brothers and his parents and stuff really keep him grounded and I just think he's just exceptional you know he's played times is it something like that might even be nearly 30 now for England and he's only 22 you know mm. he's just just think we're like at 25, 26. And I think it's exciting as well to think about Ben Johnson. Yes, it was a one-off, but I think he's getting better and better. And what you have to remember is that he played at right back, whereas a lot of his time at West Ham, he's been playing left back. His natural position is at right back. Um, and so we're probably seeing a much more accurate reflection of how good he is when he plays right back. So, it, it, yeah, it's great. It's great to have those two. And, you know, um, there's other academy players that are really looking quite strong as well, which I said I'll talk about in my section. But I just thought it was good. Really, really good. I thought Suchek had his best game for a while as well. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I thought he was winning the ball and breaking up play well. Uh, maybe it is a case that he just needs a rest. You know, obviously, I am talking about injuries in my section but I do think I wouldn't play Suchek on Thursday, especially after you know his face so bashed up. I'd give him I'd give him the good game off and play him, um, uh, someone else, um, and then have Suchek fit for Tottenham. Only problem is he's obviously Crowell's out as well. But I would I thought that was Suchek's best game. I think Zuma loved the guy. I think he's brilliant. I think Cresswell's suddenly got uh, well not suddenly because he was good last year as well, but he's just back to the consistent performer that he was. Um, great from free kicks you know Bowen the energy I just I look through that team and I just I just really really rated it I think there's a strong question as well in my of having a season ticket is it the strongest first 11 we've ever had mm. it's certainly up there it's the best team we've ever had as in team being we play for each other uh, whether it's the best individuals 
it's questionable, but is it is a it is such a good time to be a fan at the moment? Yeah, again, I think you're spot on in terms of the camaraderie and them dying for each other on the pitch. It's just so nice to see as a fan because you're seeing a group of players there that care. They care about themselves. They care about the manager. They care about the fans. You know, when they lose, they're devastated. And there's been too many times as a West Ham fan where effort levels haven't been there or the respect levels haven't been there for the manager. The respect levels haven't been there for the badge. But we don't have any of that at West Ham. And I look at our best 11 and I just can't see any weaknesses there. Yeah. Moyes is honestly he's worked miracles for West Ham mm-hmm. um, and, and what a gaffer he is you know yeah. he, incredible he deserves all the credit in the world but you're right I mean Declan Rice for me was man of the match by a country mile mm-hmm. um, you're right I think Suchek was was really good um, whilst Declan was head and shoulders man of the match I was quite surprised to see that Tom only got 1% of the vote from uh, Patreons for man of the match actually uh, Angelo was different class goal aside I thought he was an absolute rock Zuma yeah. brilliant Creswell excellent he's another one that's up there for consistency when yeah. you know once upon a time he was very inconsistent for mm. West Ham so mm. that's a turnaround again credit to Moisey Johnson, I've said it on this podcast before I really like him I think he's just going to grow now and uh, and good luck to him the, the work rate across the board is absolutely spot on week yeah. after week. Even when results don't go our way, yeah. it's not through lack of effort. Do you know what I mean? And that was mm. the case again against Everton. If I'm honest and if I'm being picky, I probably expected a bit more from Antonio and Ben Rama in terms of quality on the ball at times, to mm. be honest. Um, I don't know if you think that's fair. Um, I th- yeah, I understand why you would say that. I think yeah, that end product wasn't the greatest. I mean, Antonio worked his... Um, socks off that oh, game. Oh yeah, he, no, he no was, question on their work rate. By the way, no, he, boys. he was all over the place. I mean, the, the, the thing with Antonio is, you know, you know what he is. He's not the greatest technically ability football uh, footballer. Um, and there's times when when he's got too much time to think about things, he doesn't make the right choice, and his technique's not great. But you know that when he's at his best, when he hasn't got time to think about it, it's just literally falls to him or he's in a stat position. And he's he's just, yeah, been a revelation of it. Yet there was a couple of times when I think he could have done a bit better. He could have passed a couple of times um, at the game yesterday. Um, but, you know, what a, what a turnaround for him in his West Ham career in the last couple of years. And again, you've got to put that down to David Moyes. Done exactly what he did with Anatovich, with Antonio. Saw the potential to be a great striker and it it proved off. I mean, it proved to be right. I mean, David Moyes walked off the pitch yesterday um, at the end of the game. And I mean, they were doing it before the game as well. But all the fans as he walked off, because where the West Ham fans were, the, the West Ham players came out from literally just that corner of the ground. And everyone was seeing David Moyes' Clamber Army he got a really good reception. And I was really pleased because mm. it's been a long time since a manager has been fully supported by all sections of the fan base. And you cannot take anything away from what that man has achieved. You know, we I, I can't remember what the stat was. I was looking at it earlier, I should have written it down, but our way 
our way record at the moment is phenomenal. You know, it's mm. so good. And I don't think ever as a West Ham fan, we've had a great away record. We need to improve things at the London Stadium, ironically. But um, as an away fan, it's been so good under David Moyes. And I just love the squad, the attitude. The, I love the fact that he signs players that are not just on ability, but on whether they will fit into the, the makeup of the squad personality-wise. I believe that is so important I really really do like I've always believed this ever since you know a young age that anything you do yes you need players that have great ability but a great team will always outdo a great individually based team um, if that mm, makes sense it does because, because you just the work you go that extra mile the work rate the the effort you put in you know if you're a talented player but you don't put any effort in you're half the player of a player that's not maybe not as talented but works a lot harder you know it's just and the team just feels so good there's you know you look through that team and you don't think there's one player there that you think oh, I'm not sure on him I don't think he wants to play for us his attitude's not great mm. No, I think I think it, it's just brilliant right through right through the squad, and you know there was you know people took stick the board Moyes for not signing enough players with Europe, and maybe he hasn't, and you know injuries will catch up on us, but certainly it, by having a minimal squad, it's much easier to maintain a morale and team ethic than a massive large squad where players are unhappy. Mm, I can't fault him, X. Even no, if I I'm can't. being picky, I can't fault him. You know, he, he's the way he's got the players fit, um, the backroom staff, <clears throat> the effort levels, the mentality, the recruitment. I mean, even down to how disciplined the players are. I don't know if you know this, but we've received fewer yellow cards this season than anyone else in the league. Really? So he's oh. even got the discipline down to a T. And a couple of those yesterday were harsh, particularly Antonio. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, that's right. I mean... Talking of incidents, what did you make of what happened to Suchek? Did you think it was accidental or deliberate? Well, obviously, at the time, you couldn't, we couldn't see what had happened because it was on the other side of the pitch and the ball was still going on. But what I did notice at the game as well, there was clearly a head injury and the ref just let the game go on and they went and got a corner from, from that attack. He should have stopped yeah. the play from the minute he realised it was a head injury, yeah. even if he just like didn't think it was a foul. All he had to do is look at Suche. He clearly would have been covered in blood. I mean, I obviously haven't seen the replay but for, of what he looked like, but I've seen what he looks like like now with stitches and everything so there must have been blood everywhere he must have known there was a head injury he should have stopped the game should never have been allowed to carry on as for the incident having looked back on it why did VAR not come in think about it <laughs> that's what like, I was what, thinking where yeah. was it again like a major incident there that I, I, it's hard to know whether it's intentional. My gut feeling is that it was, but then, you know, if it was a West Ham player, would I think it was harsh? I don't know, but there certainly needs looking at VAR for the ref to make a decision because there's clear contact. His foot's clearly moved in the direction of Suchek's face. What is the point of VAR? Like, what, when does it get used and when does it, doesn't it get used? Like, I don't understand. Like, there was an sure I'm sure there was an incident in one of the West Ham games this season the home game maybe or maybe it was last season when a player got sent off for violent contact it was called back and the ref looked at it it was this season wasn't it I can't even think who it was now but um and and they did it then so why could they not do it this time mm. 
you know, yeah. I just don't, I don't understand when when you're allowed to and when you're not. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And they haven't even looked at it retrospectively afterwards. No, I know. I, I don't understand it. It's, I mean, I hate the technology because once again, it does rely on a human to get it right. Yeah. And this is the problem that, you know, you've got the technology there. Um, it was a head injury. He clearly was in a bit of trouble. I just, I just, it just blows my mind still in football. Uh, it really does. But as for the incident, I mean, I've watched it back so many times and it's debatable. It's definitely debatable. It's not clear cut. But the more I watch it, the more I think it was deliberate. Because I think if you just look at his right leg, I just don't think it's natural movement to extend your leg that far back. I don't think he needed to do that to adjust himself and get his feet right to then continue with the ball. I don't think he needed to extend his right leg literally until he got to Tom's face. No, I, I was it, it wasn't a natural movement, was it at all? I don't think so. No, and the fact they didn't look it, as I, I remember the game now, it was Perez against Leicester. Um, do you remember yeah. how he got sent off for a violent conduct? And, and that was that, and it was, and it was a red card. But that was uh, the ref didn't see that at the time either. So what is the difference? I just yeah. don't understand. And the fact they haven't looked at it now, they haven't even made a comment on it. You know, they could make a comment on it now and say, we've had a look at the incident, we believe it was an accident or whatever. But they've, they've just almost tried to brush it aside and, and pretend it didn't happen. Mm. Um, and it's just, look at his face, you know. Yeah. <laughs> at least give the man some respect and say... That look what he done with his feet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Honestly, that was it was it was horrific. Yeah, it was. It was. But look, at the end of the day, it's probably a discussion point if we lost, but because we won, it's a bit of a mute point, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, left him with some bad cuts, though. Do you know something similar happened to me about 15 years ago when I was playing? I don't know if I've told you this. I, I haven't told the listeners, but... No, you haven't I, told me, actually. It's probably the first football story I've heard that you yeah. haven't actually heard before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised I haven't told you because it does start with the fact that I had already scored two goals and I was running through oh. one-on-one to get my hat-trick because obviously oh, I was okay. a boy, wasn't I? Yeah, you were, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm running through a one-on-one with a keeper. And then the defender, the last centre-half, um, he, he tripped me up. And I couldn't see it. And obviously, I ain't got the benefit of cameras. But um, he tripped me up and it was in the box. So, instinctively, the first thing I thought to do when I hit the deck was to put my head up to the ref to make sure that he'd given a penalty. Because it was a stonewall penalty. And he did. Um, but as I've lifted my head up, the defender's gone to jump over me. And with his studs has sliced um, my cheek just next to my right ear. And it's probably a, a good four to five inch gash, I'd say. And like my cheek just completely opened up and blood was absolutely pissing out of me. And uh, the reason I'm telling you this, because there was a, a scary part to this story, actually. I went to hospital after waiting hours and hours and I need to get looked at. And when I did get looked at, the doctor made me whistle he made me roll my me, me, uh, me eyes around in my head. I had to move my jaw. All these little tests that he was doing on me. And at the end of it, he said, do you know what, Mr. Walker? He said, you're a very lucky man. I said, why is that? He said, where that cut is and how deep it is, it's half a millimetre from a nerve that if it would have sliced through that, it would have paralysed half your face for the rest of your life. Really? Blimey. Yeah. And for that reason, they couldn't anesthetize me to stitch it. I had to have it raw stitched as well, well which wasn't very pleasant. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I remember that. It was, that was quite bad, that. Gosh, what um, about your dashing good looks? That I, 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 well, all, all the birds love a scar, don't they? So yeah. I'm not that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to ask you, because despite keeping a clean sheet, Fabianski didn't receive a single man of match vote from patrons, and he wasn't, and I didn't expect him to, but other players did who clearly weren't man of match either, so Fab didn't get one. Um, I've also seen a few calls for him to be replaced by Ariola now. And you've been quite critical of him recently, but you're also a man that wouldn't change a winning team. So with that in mind, does Ariola come in against Tottenham? No, I don't think so. No. I think he comes in on he comes in on Thursday. Um in the in the European game because that seems to be what they're doing. But there's no reason to drop Fabianski now. Like not after a clean sheet. I, I know he didn't have anything to do. So it's hard to really say, oh, you know, he played well, so you can't drop it because he didn't have much to do. But you can't, in my opinion. A keeper on the back of a clean sheet. It's just mm. it, it, like when the defence has played that well, yes, you can say he kept a clean sheet because Zuma, Bonner, Johnson, Cressel played so well, but behind them, you've always got to have someone that's instructing them and, you know, making them play confidently and so on. Um, uh, but it's... Um, Sorry, but I just got a random text there. But uh, yeah, I don't think you can drop on the on the back of a on a on a performance like that. It, it's it's not right. I think Ariola comes in on Thursday. You know, he's difficult because obviously if Ariola then keeps a clean sheet and plays brilliantly, you mm. could then make the argument argument. Well, why are you then dropping? not carrying him on into the team. But at the moment, there's almost like I I personally think that Fabianski is. This sounds harsh, but I've been saying it for a year on the way out. I think he's not as consistent, he's not as good as he was when he got Hammer of the Year. His age is catching up with him. I think he'll be 37 this season. Um, I feel like I'd like him to stay as backup keeper if he, if he was to, if they were to swap round at the end of the season and Ariola become first choice and he'd be backup keeper. I'd be happy with that because I think he's decent. You know, 37 still at the end of the the road for a keeper um, uh, but I do think he's not as consistent as he was he's a bit I don't recall games where I've been like wow what he was brilliant today um, but that said I don't think you can drop a keeper when they've just kept a clean sheet and your side's just one away from home so no I think mean, he needs to play against Tottenham yeah I agree with that and I do know that there are some question marks from time to time over Fab um, and you can debate that but it gives Moyes an interesting problem if Ariola has a stormer on Thursday. Now, I know he's, he's playing against weaker opposition, but he already comes to West Ham with a, a big reputation. Yeah. So, I don't know, in a massive game like that against Tottenham, yeah, and I'm obviously debating this in my mind, if he is really, really good on Thursday. But, I, I yeah, I don't think he should come into that game, given the kind of magnitude of the game as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think so harsh on Fabianski. And I think mm-hmm. it brings, you know, they should be confident on the back of that performance against Everton to go into that Spurs game with confidence. If you then change the keeper, that's big, like headline news that mm-hmm. could, that, that could unsettle things because it's not like, like you know, when David Martin... Roberto at Chelsea away. That was the perfect time to do it because West Ham fans were like, wow, it, you know, then it, it spawned the chant, you know, 
dance Martins in goal, and he went on and kept a clean sheet or whatever it was. That was a that was a good time for him to come in. But now you don't need that attention of oh he's dropped Fabianski. I wonder why he's done that. And then all eyes will be on Ariola. Then you know and if Ariola makes a mistake, they'll be like oh why did he do that? Fabianski gets a clean sheet previous game. If Fabianski has a bit of a, a mare against Spurs, yes, it'd be awful to concede and not win against our main rivals. But if Ariola's played well in Europe, then Fabianski has a dodgy game against Spurs. Then I think you bring Ariola in for the league game after that. Um, but I think it would be too harsh to do that to Fabianski on the back of that game. Yeah. My only issue, though, is, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, at what point do you bring Ariola in? Because are we potentially going to waste the opportunity of signing the top quality keeper on a permanent because he just isn't playing for West Ham? And, you know, in Fab, you've probably got someone that's going to go at the end of the season anyway. You know, at what point do you bring him in? Are you waiting for Fabianski to have a clanger? What if he doesn't have a clanger? What if he is consistently decent? Mm. You know, I, I just, it's, it's such a tough one because I'd hate to see Ariola go at the end of the season then we approach to buy him and he says, well, actually, no, it's it's not for me. I want immediate first-team football when I've got five or six offers here. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've tried my hand at West Ham and it just ain't for me. Or do we put him in sooner rather than later and use Fab as a number two now? Um I still think he'll get his chances though, right? Because he'll get his chance in the cup. We're still in all the cups and Europe. He'll still is, get is games. Good, is that good enough for him though, do you think? <sighs> If you've said to speak, it depends what you've said to him before he signs. If you've said to him, look, Fabianski is going to be number one in the league to start with, you will play the cup games, that'll be your chance to impress. But Fab is, you know, he's got his contracts up at the end of the season, he's 37. You know, we are seeing this as a long term thing where you would eventually be the number one next year. If you've made that clear to him and he's signed the deal, um, uh, knowing that, then I think you'd be okay. Um, it just depends what you said to him. Obviously, if he's been promised to come here and be number one, then you've got issues. But I'd like to think we were sensible enough to say that that is likely to be what happens. And, you know, he can't grumble too much because Fabianski has been the number one for three or four years. He's a Polish international, or was until he retired. Um, you know, it's not like he's coming in and, uh, uh, you know, Ariola's is more impressive than Fabianski's before that. It's not like there's a mild difference between them. I'd like to think that he'd be prepared to see. Obviously, if Fabianski starts having two or three terrible games and he still doesn't get a chance, then he'd be within his rights to say, you know, what's going on here? But until mm. that happens, I'd like to think he'd be the professional. And like I said earlier, with Moyes, I think Moyes does his homework on the personality and he's probably looked at Ariola and realised that he's not the sort of keeper that goes and upsets the the, you know, the, the apple cart, whatever the phrase is, every um every week. You know, he's been an understudy at Paris Saint-Germain, at, at Real Madrid, at the French national team for many years. So hopefully he is aware of what you do to in that position. Yeah, some good points made, mate. Um, do you fancy this on Sunday? Yeah, I do. I think I don't think Tottenham are as strong as they were. I hate. To, I don't want to jinx it. Um, and obviously, it's a bit annoying that Harry Kane 
uh, did score at the weekend, didn't they? Um, so it's a did he score? I can't remember now. He did, didn't they? Yeah, he did, this, yeah. yeah he scored the second goal. I think. Um, yeah, like it, it is a bit annoying um, that he's got a goal because it'd have been good if he was still. Although, like I said, the strikers always break their barren runs against West Ham, don't they? So <laughs> maybe it's better that he did get a goal. Um, but I think I think that Tottenham aren't as strong as they were, and I think we're stronger than we were. So if we can play like we did against Everton, then I think I think we've got a really, really good chance that the fans get behind the team, which obviously they will and have been doing, and especially we'll do against Tottenham. Then I think I think, yeah, I think we've got a chance, definitely. Yeah. Well our fancy is against anyone, to be honest. I, yeah. I think it's it's gonna be a tough game. I'm expecting a tough game. And I mm. think we're gonna have to be at our best. But if we are, then I think we'll win. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before the game on Sunday, there is, of course, the West Ham Way pre-match event where this time joining Waldy on stage for a QA and a is the Terminator himself, Julian Dix. Uh, I'll put up an updated list of patrons attending on the site tomorrow. So if your name isn't on the list, but you want it to be, just comment with your name. And likewise, if you can no longer attend, please do also let us know. And we look forward to seeing you there. Um, before the pre-match event is the uh, Europa League game against Genk on Thursday, as we've mentioned, uh, with a massive game on Sunday, how many changes would you make? You mentioned about Suchek not playing, which I think is a no-brainer. How many other changes would you make? Well, it's a bit frustrating that Crowell's injured because I would have yeah. taken, I would have taken, well, he just got COVID, but I would have taken Rice out as well for him. I would have taken Rice and Suchek out and put Crowell and Noble in. Um, I think you change the keeper because I think that's what we've been doing all cup games. He put Ariola in goal. Just quickly, um, mate, as well, it's quite frustrating in scenarios like this that we didn't keep Connor Coventry as well. Exactly, it? exactly. Especially as he's not, he was on the bench for Peterborough at the weekend, didn't even play for them. Really? Um, yeah, so it is frustrating. I mean, I, I would have Ariola in goal. I would have Johnson at right back because Johnson's not played a huge amount of games. So I think and he's young, so I think he can play Thursday and Sunday if needed. I think you bring um, Dawson and Diop in at centre-back. I think you bring Masaraku in at left-back. I would have Noble and maybe Lanzini in central midfield. Um, I've had Flasic as one of the wingers. I'd have... Um, Bowen up front. I wouldn't play Antonio. Um, and then it's just whether you use um, who else you use, like Yarmolenko, probably bring him in on the right or play him up front. Um, and then you just take it from there, really. Or you could always put like, um, you know, Ashby at right back, put Johnson left back, put Mazuaku on left wing. But I think you've got to alternate reasonable amount, I would say. Not mm. like you've got to be careful though, because we need to beat Genk. I think we will, whoever we put out, but we need to make sure we win. So you've got to get the balance right. And I think this is where Moyes really has to come into his own as how good a manager he is, because I think we could all pretty much now pick the first 11 for the league games because we yeah. know well, we know what West Ham's strongest 11 is pretty much now. Um, and so that's easy. You basically say, right, at the moment, Fabianski, Shafal when fit, Zuma, um, Ogbonna, Cresswell, Benrahma, Bowen, um, uh, Funaus, uh, Suchet, Rice, Antonio. 
That's it, mm. isn't it? That's your, that's your 11. It's these games here where you've got to really earn your money and make sure you get the rotations right because with Spurs on Thursday and a big game against Everton this... Um, sorry, Spurs on Sunday, a big game against Everton this this Sunday. I think you've got to, you've got to rotate at least, at least half the team, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, you'd like to think that even our squad players are more superior than Genks. Well, you'd um, hope so. I mean, if this was, you know, if we was to be in the, the latter rounds and we're yeah. playing, you know, I don't know, Napoli or Lazio or Marseille or a Spanish team or German team, then I wouldn't, I would say, no, they need to play, they need to play all both games. But because I think our team should be better than Genks. I mean, they're, they're on a poor run, I think, Genk. Um, they're a Belgian team. I don't think I've heard of any of their players. Our players should be better, whoever plays. Yeah. I'll tell you someone I'd like to see get a run out in possibly a game like this is Oco Flex. I'd like to see more of him. Yeah, he looks like a decent youngster. I, d- I don't think he will do though. Well, he may do, but he's playing for the academy today. Um, mm, playing right. for the under twenty ones, maybe. I mean, he might get his game, but you know, there's the other guy from Chelsea. Um, Pierre is his first name. I forgot his surname now. I mean, he is a decent defensive midfielder, apparently. Um, so there are some options from that under twenty one game you could use. Um, you're right. Oh look, there you go. Speak the devil. Armstrong uh, Oco Flex has scored from the penalty spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I like the look of him, you know. Yeah, it's 4 3 to West Ham, it looks like. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, against Spurs as well. Dan Chester's a squad. I'm going to talk about him later. Remind me to talk about him. But um, yeah, it looks, um, it looks like a, a good chance to, um, for Oco Flex that he's going to make it. I mean, it's interesting because he's obviously been at Arsenal and Celtic. So he's had chances at big clubs before. And you kind of think, well, why has he not made it there? But sometimes it's just not the right club. So maybe with the right nurturing. He could be, he could be decent. I mean, uh, um, both Connor Coventry, uh, who was on the subs bench against Peterborough, apparently he's played quite well for Peterborough, but where they're in a relegation battle, Darren Ferguson, obviously son of Alex, chooses the more um, experienced players at that level. But, you know, Mipu, he's not even been on the bench for Huddersfield for a month or so now. Really? What yeah. a waste of time. This is what I mean. And this is, firstly, it's proves two things. Firstly, when I said and got so much stick for this, that I'm not quite sure whether he's the finished article right now and that fans might be pinning too much on his shoulders, kind of has been proven a little bit because otherwise Huddersfield would be playing him um but like you said it's a complete waste of time i think connor coventry definitely 100 has a recall option in january and i'm pretty sure that odubeku does as well if neither of them are featuring that much for either side i I would get both back and either get them on the bench and featuring in europe and stuff if we're still in it or i would take them out of those clubs and send them to a club where they are going to be played it's just a complete waste of time they're better off being at west ham and sitting and playing the under 23s than not playing for a random championship side. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Right, okay, let's see what X has to say this week. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon.com 
forward slash the West Ham way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham way podcast extra time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the Endless Summer Sale, August 26th through September 5th, and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $29.39. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.